Okay, so I guess we have to take it from the top and introduce ourselves, huh? Okay, yeah, we should probably do that. Do I have to do it in an Australian accent and you have to do it in an American accent? I don't know if my American accent is very good anymore. <laughs> I don't think my Australian's better. <laughs> um, okay, hang, I, hang on, hang on. All right, let's, 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 let's shake it out. Let's shake it out. Let's shake it out. Okay, okay. yeah, take out the right, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll introduce. Okay, let's go. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So... It's still me. It's still Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse of a host for the People Are Wild podcast. It's a podcast. Podcast? That's not even a word. It's a <laughs> podcast that claims to have medical entertainment. And today, this episode, I think might be a little lengthy, but either way you look at it, it's definitely going to have medicine. It's definitely going to have entertainment and it's going to have a lot of WTF moments. So... I have one person to blame, and I am putting the blame on you on this one, on Sarah, to you, Sarah, for basically rocking my world with this case, even though I kind of knew about it. So this is going to be an episode that takes two people. It takes two to make a thing go right. I love quoting rock bass as much as possible. So yeah, I had to bring another person into this. You know her. You should know her. I played her freaking promo before, so you better know her. It's Sarah from the Good Nightmares podcast, which, P.S., happy birthday to the pod and to you and to all your success. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> Give us a little introduces. Tell us all about what Good Nightmares is about. Okay, so it's a podcast about the more creepy and darker side of life. So we look at murders, mysteries, um, urban legends, uh, hauntings, all that sort of good stuff. Um, mostly, if it's murders, it's always from the 1800s or before, because I don't want to stress myself out, and I don't want to stress my listeners out. All the stuff that gives you nightmares. It's great. Honestly, like, here's the <laughs> episode I think you talked about, like, sleep paralysis and stuff. Yes. Having had that before, I was like, it's <gasps> like, I don't when I don't, it's, it's creepy. Like, but Sarah's got the, as you can tell, like throughout this episode, um, Sarah has this very calm voice that it's like, you're listening to her and you almost kind of like, it's like a, what are those videos that are soothing or whatever? ASMR. Yeah, man. Those you ones? should be yeah. eating pickles halfway through your episodes. I do love pickles. So. <laughs> you could be like that one lady that's just like eating the pickles into the mic. That's an actual video. I should do that. I should do something like that you for should. a podcast. And I, I should check out that video too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll link it somewhere in the show notes, right? Just in case this this episode might get people amped up, I feel. I feel like it's a, it's a very emotionally exhausting thing to go through this whole thing. It's a roller coaster. It is like, a roller coaster tsunami yeah tornado tornado yeah exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay so uh, we were comparing notes we've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work i guess like this is probably the most i've not necessarily i've researched for something but maybe this is the most like deep dive i've done on something in a while where i actually went into like reddit i bought books i bought the audiobooks <laughs> because i was like no 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 i have to pace i can't even like I can't even sit and read this without being like, I need to like walk out this energy and these emotions. But the thing is, so in doing research for this, there are other podcasts that cover this. So, I mean, if, if we don't satisfy that, that, that itch or, or, you know, answer all the questions, please go and, and look up additional info and, and other things in terms of I'll, I'll put links up in the show notes, but also other podcasts have, have chronicled it as well. So there are a lot of good resources for listening sake too, um, that cover this, but we're going to try and do our own little spin on this, I think. Right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Like I got, I have a straight up Australian talking to me about an Australian scandal that trickled out in a major way to a worldwide audience. 
And when it did, I just so happened to be in Australia. So I had like this brief knowledge. And the only thing that I remembered was the 60 Minutes interview, which we'll get to later. Um, that was wild. Yeah. Well, mostly because I remember thinking to myself, because I was, <laughs> I was in Australia, I was working then. I remember looking at the TV and I was living where I was, was um, I was working uh, in Australia, not as a nurse. I was doing a whole different thing. And I was working hospitality and the two other people I was working with were also Australians. So I was the only like American in the bunch. And I just turned to them and I was like, does everybody in this country wear those like really bubblegum pink big old turtlenecks? Like, is that a thing? And they're like, no. Like, I have this chick is mental. Um, <laughs> never mind. I guess Sarah is. <laughs> I'm one of those people. <laughs> Don't. What color is it? Is it bubblegum pink? I had like a bubblegum pink um, jumper, but but there was no turtleneck. So <laughs> get out of here! I don't care if you're all the way in the future right now and it's already Tuesday or whatever. Just go, just leave. I'll just walk off the edge of the flat earth. It's fine. <laughs> you didn't get that because of her, though, right? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, God, I was no. like, oh, now we're gonna have a come to Jesus meeting. This is gonna be like an intervention going on in the middle yeah. of this episode. <laughs> Well, that would be interesting. Uh, so uh, I guess we should kind of set the, set the scene. Um, we are going to be talking about Annabelle Natalie Gibson, who is described yeah. in various ways. You'll hear me flipping through pages because I had to take a bunch of notes on napkins. I felt very much like J.K. Rowling on this, except I'm not about to write the next Harry Potter. Or am I? You don't know. <laughs> On the other side, there's like a whole entire outline for the next Harry Potter. No, there's not. <laughs> there's not. There's not. There's not. So when I was doing research, I was like, well, trying to figure out how people described Annabelle Gibson, who goes by Belle Gibson. So that might ring a bell for some people who somewhat know a little bit about this story. And there are a few different ways of describing her. So I'm going to go on and tell you what I found. Belle Gibson, let's see. If you were to describe her, you could describe her as Instagram famous, a bit of a social media expert, uh, an app developer. Let's see. A mother, a charity warrior, inspiring cancer survivor, a wellness warrior, convincing, clever, a cancer fighter, pathological, a scammer, a liar, and a fraud. I think that perfectly sums her up. All of the above. The answer is E. So <laughs> it's crazy. Like to tell her tale, we have to go back in time, back about 10 years or so, I would think. Um, so what we were doing behind the scenes was trying to figure out like the Bell Gibson timeline. And it's so hard to really nail down. <laughs> so we were like trying to look for yeah. like a good timeline. And I think what I sent you earlier, I was like, I think this is it. I think this is a pretty good one. It's yeah, it's really comprehensive and it's huge. The amount of stuff that she's done and just the weird shit she's put out there is like, there's so much of it. So the great thing with Sarah, uh, obviously being in Australia is that she has more of the, I guess you have more of the story in a way, because I only saw it, like I said, in passing. And if I wasn't in Australia, maybe I would have read about it. Like, um, you know, I I know worldwide there were the Washington Post and uh, I believe like the New York Times and a few other international papers did pick it up and run it on their websites. But even then, I really wouldn't have gotten into it as much as if I didn't like see it and have other uh, Australians who filled me in about the lies that are Belle Gibson as a person. So the reason why it falls under, I guess, medical entertainment is because, and you know, we hinted at it before, she is a cancer fighter, cancer warrior, a wellness warrior, and a scammer. So how does that link up is the question, right? Absolutely. So we got to figure out how we got from point A to point B. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the weird thing is like, okay, so there's this really comprehensive book that was written about um, this whole entire lie that she put forth. And 
the timeline that we're going to present to you falls in line with that book, as well as having some other supplemental things. So if it jumps around, I, I think we're going to try and make sense of it as best as we both can to make sure it's comprehensive for both of us. And then we'll kind of add info as we see fit, I guess. Yeah, I think um, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, the best place to start would be her birth. But guess what? That is even up for debate. <laughs> like, how crazy is that when a person can't even tell you when they were born? Because they're like, I don't know. Absolutely. There was also something on the 60 Minutes um, episode that I noticed right away about her birth. Well, she kept saying, I'm living as a 26-year-old. But my birth certificate says I'm 23. So I'm 23. So it's like, like What? Are you? <laughs> and, that's are you? What, and that's what the interviewer Tara Brown was asking her was like, what? What do you mean you believe you're 23? Um, yeah. So she was born, like I said, Annabelle Natalie Gibson. As best as uh, things could be put together, she was born um, in Tasmania, which Tasmania I always thought of as like Hawaii in a way where it's like part of Australia, but it's Definitely like that part where you're like, oh, yeah, that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's part of the yeah. mainland. <laughs> so, I mean, Tassie is great. I I hear it's great. It looks beautiful. But it's like one of those places where people are like, oh, yeah, Tasmania. It's, it, you know, it's not, I don't know. How would you describe Tasmania for? Well, <laughs> the first thing that came to mind is that we usually describe most Tasmanians as being born with two heads. <laughs> it's not the nicest way to put it, but um, it's a very small island. It's very beautiful, and they're probably lovely people, but the the consensus from Victoria, at least, is that they're strange people. <laughs> um, so as far as they can remember, or as far as the records show, um, yeah, Belle Gibson was born uh, in Tasmania. When we said that, she doesn't know when. Uh, she has multiple birth certificates, she said. Like, she has two or three birth certificates. Um, she's had her name changed three or four times, she claimed. There are not really any paperwork necessarily to support that. So the general consensus that I got is that people place her birthday as October 8th, 1991. She said that she, you know, suggested she was born in 1989, in the interview that we're going to be kind of referencing the 60 minutes one that was conducted in 2015, I believe June of 2015 uh, is when that came out. So um, just keep that in mind that we're kind of talking about that time span when we refer to that. They in the book kind of placed her date as 1991 because when she got further along and applied for business or, or licensure for businesses, she wrote down like her actual or what they surmised to be her actual birthday, and that was the October 1991. So she was in Tasmania. It sounds like, uh, you know, not long thereafter. It's it's even sketchy in her details of her childhood. I mean, trying to piece it together. She said that her father left their family when she was seven. Um, she was born into a family where she automatically had to take the role of being like the mother and the caregiver to her mother, because her mother, Natalie was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis uh, in her 20s. And so that rendered her having the effects of that disease and, and having pain from it and, and other different condi conditions and, and afflictions and ailments, as well as having her brother, Nick, who was somewhere on the autism spectrum. Uh, in some cases, she said that he was autistic. He was a younger brother, and, and she had to step up in this role to tend to the family from this early age. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, that is quite bold to say that when you were six years old, you were running a household. Because when I was six years old, I didn't even, the only thing I was running was like in my shoes. Like I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't even imagine being like, well, I got to cook the meals for everybody in this house. And I, and I do know that that does exist, that there are kids who, do have a lot of responsibilities at an early age. And and that's not to say that that does not happen, but the way that Belle states it, it's, it's very much grandiose, sort of how she puts it forward. At some point, I believe uh, in her early years, they moved to Brisbane. And see, you can tell that I went to Australia because I said Brisbane. 
Not for his bane. Yep. <laughs> Cardinal sin. <laughs> Same know, as right? bane. It's like cans. And Mel- Melbourne as opposed to Melbourne. <laughs> Just say like Melbs. Yeah, Melbs works. <laughs> <laughs> I spent some time um, in the land of Oz. I had to pick up all the slang because then they just laughed at me at different pubs. Pubs. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so she reports that uh, she was a severely obese 11 year old. Um, she managed to stop overeating and with her brother Nick in tow, began sunset strolls around their Brisbane block uh, at age 12 and depleted from years of being her mother's primary caregiver. She moved in with a classmate and then a family friend to Perth. Which is like, what? So, okay, I mean, Perth is completely like, it's Western Australia from Brisbane, which is what, more, it's somewhat uh, inland from Eastern, right? Yeah, I'm, even I'm not good with Australian geography, I have to admit. The way yeah, that I of- think is like as if, if you were 12 years old and you decided that you were going to move from New York to L.A., yeah, it's it's definitely a massive change and a culture shock for sure. She's gone from like this popular tourist destination of Brisbane to Perth, which is basically tiny, tiny little city. But as far as I know, apparently <laughs> it's got like super great like uh, scuba diving, and the coral out there is supposed to be gorgeous when you compare it to the, the Great Barrier Reef. So um, that's a that's a side note. If you wanted a <laughs> if you wanted a uh, tourist. Uh, review as well <laughs> that's what i can pass <laughs> along is that if you want to go scuba diving maybe skip the the gbr it's coming back some of it is coming back the coral is doing better but if you really want to get more bang for your buck go and scuba dive out in perth so there's that this is gonna be all over the place you guys i haven't had any sleep for 36 hours so it's gonna be great <laughs> I've just been so stoked to do this. Actually, I have been. Like, I have been telling Sarah, and I think she's probably like, I get it. You're stoked. It's great. Let's just do this. Yeah, okay. So so now we're, we're at age 12. She is in Perth by herself, living with family friends, apparently. And, and nobody calls that into question. It was interesting. In the book, it talked about it, about how she attended, what, Wenham, which is like, for you guys, like a secondary school, if if I'm putting things together. Yeah. It says state high school, but I know that it's more secondary, right? It's kind of what you... Yeah, high, a high school would be grade 7 through 12. Okay, so that's pretty close to, to yeah. what we are in the U.S. So while she was there, she excelled in academics. Um, she excelled in sport. She also took a, a shining to theater and performance arts as well as using that down the line, it sounds like, to her advantage in a way and to a financial gain, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. So, you know, we have this 11, 12-year-old that she reports as, you know, she had this severe obesity. Um, There are pictures of her online that do exist because the internet does not forget. Try as you might to delete posts. (laughs) Um, Screenshots do exist. Anybody who has Snapchat knows that. And I just got back into Snapchat and I just, I still don't understand it. I might delete it again. I, I, I just, I feel like it's a young kid's game and I'm just not. not yeah. I'm not. Hip. I can't use it. I'm not hip. It eats too much <laughs> no, data on my phone. I, I would rather just use all my stuff to just tell people on Tinder to get their flu shots. So that's what that's I'm a good doing, use. folks. <laughs> public health crusader right here the way that our timeline kind of moves it's it's interesting we actually have a few of the quotes that were from various articles as well as her posts that she would be posting from in different forums so if you think back to like the early 2000s instagram really wasn't around we were still in the land of probably like aol myspace that sort of connection with social media it's very much in its yeah, younger years of, of Facebook. I, I, Facebook, I think, was around. Yeah, no, it was around then. So, But it was definitely like yeah. you still had to get the invite or, you know, it wasn't as big as it was. So the, there were forums that still existed out there for people to interact with. Belle Gibson went on a lot of skateboarding forums where she talked to a lot of skaters. And during this time, I mean, she's in her, her early teen years. She's in her tween years. You know, it's that that stage where you're 
trying to figure out who you are, where you fit in, you know, you're, you're coming into to puberty and, and you're really trying to navigate the world between being a kid and, and starting to grow up a little bit. So she was fitting in, I guess, and choosing her friends more in this skater, goth, emo scene. There exist pictures of her with like jet black hair and like these extreme hairdos and wearing the skater shoes and, and that fashion that reminds me very much of Avril Lavigne's complicated music video. <laughs> She's short of wearing a tie and, and skateboarding with guys through the mall while singing about Canadian love songs about skater boys. She kind of embodied that sort of vibe. And I think that was probably popular back then. Belle is a l- little bit younger than me. So it's kind of like I, I, I have to gauge like what I remember from that time, but I feel like I've blocked out certain points. So I was like, <laughs> was that popular? But Avril Lavigne was definitely kind of big and that whole skate scene sort of went into the mainstream. And so she was on these forums talking with all these different people and her posts shied away from the skateboarding and started to become sort of a way for her to, I guess, vent about her life. Yeah, absolutely. She kind of yeah, it was very in-depth about her personal life and everything that she was going through or claiming to have gone through. So there's a post that's uh, from December 24th, 2008 that they found on the skateboarding forum, which was just called skateboard.com.au. So it was very, <laughs> very much the official skateboarding forum for all of Australia, apparently. And in it, uh, a user uh, that goes by the handle bell with an exclamation point. So bell. There you go. Posted at about 11.05 p.m., it looks like, uh, stating that my family all sent me packages to my post box for Christmas, and I didn't have time to pick them up today. I'm so devo, I have nothing to unwrap tomorrow. Which, we get to, like, decipher some Australian slang, which I'm totally excited (laughs) about, because that has been part of, like, something I've taken away from Australia. But devo is one of my favorite things. When people say, oh, I'm so completely devo. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> Um, So you got to decipher that. You got to decipher a little bit for us, Sarah. Okay, so devo is basically devastated. Like most Australian slang, you kind of cut the end of the word off and add an O, and that creates a new word. So. Such as. Um, give us a oh few. God. <laughs> all right, all Such right. As, What's a bottle O? Uh, bottle O is like a liquor store, so bottle shop. Uh, Arvo. Afternoon. Uh, Avo. <laughs> Avocado. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> it's so weird hearing them in American accent. <laughs> it's throwing me. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I I worked with Australians and they tried really hard and all I got was Ripper. That's all I can like. Oh, say. Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was I was called a bloody Ripper, a mad Ripper. Um, yeah. That's about it. That's that's the extent of my Australian accent. <laughs> It's not horrible. Yeah, it's, like, it's two words. Yeah, it's good. It's a good start. <laughs> I also got called the C word a lot, which I was like, Oh, yeah. Me? Yeah, you get that a lot. Add um, mad or sick in front of it, and that's like a high compliment. <laughs> and, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. My boss called me that on my first day, and I was like, What did oh. I do wrong? <laughs> I just started working here. Do I need to quit? What did I do? And they're like, Oh, that's right. You're from America. And then about that, <laughs> you try and explain that to other people, and they're like, oh, "What did you just call me?" And you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forget where I'm at." So, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, don't call anybody that when you come to America. <laughs> I'll try. Yeah, just like just keep that on the DL. Just yeah, just, just mm, no, not here. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> <laughs> I love Australian slang. What's your favorite Australian slang word, Sarah? I don't know if I use too much of it, but I love saying. I've been teaching my nephew to say fair dinkum. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. Okay. And, um, I totally asked, just like a shameless plug, I asked Brisky on Turn of Phrases to go into what fair dinkum means. So you guys need to listen to that episode because <laughs> she did an awesome job with it. But what does awesome. fair dinkum mean to you as an Australian? To me, it just means. Oh, it's hard to explain in actual words. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah, it is, it is. Fair dinkum to me is kind of the same as, I don't know if you guys use this terminology, but like, are you shitting me kind of thing? Or like, I'm telling the truth or is that truthful? Like a, well, 
Yeah, like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fair dinkum. Yeah, like, yeah, either, yeah, this is truthful or you hear something shocking and you're like, oh, fair dinkum. (laughs) That's so stupid. So we could probably say that all of Belle Gibson after 2015 was not fair dinkum. Not at all. (laughs) Not even for a second. So, okay, we're going to go back to our timeline. She made that post on the skateboarding forum, again, kind of establishing the fact that, like, she wasn't necessarily there to talk about skateboarding. She saw this as a way of connecting with other people and really, like, you know, getting a response, getting that sort of instant, not necessarily gratification, but, but, or maybe it was for her, but just having that instantaneous um, response with people that she probably wasn't necessarily getting in her home life um, if we're going off of the fact that she was a caregiver and then she decided to leave her family and now she's living with family friends. If you go into the book, you you start to see that this is a person that lived a life that was constantly in flux, had to keep moving. I think they said like she moved four different primary schools growing up like within a three-year period, which does a complete like you know, it, it's, it's hard as a kid to keep having to make new friends and then go somewhere else. And so you start to see like, maybe why she started to go down the route she did, which will kind of lay forward now, because we're going to get into 2009. And that's when the good stuff starts to happen, I suppose. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say the good stuff. It's where the seed is planted, we'll say. Absolutely. On our timeline, we have, which, by the way, also, I'm like, I should totally make a link to that timeline because it does a really good job of putting together um, links and sources and stuff for people to see it in sort of that real-time fashion. But somewhere around May 2009 is where we get this seed. So she was still on the skateboarding forums, still in her early teens at this point, And she said that, quote, I'm going into hospital in a few hours. If one of you charming men don't send me flowers, you're all dead. So, I mean, making these posts that I guess, you know, when you're a teenager, you make like these these statements. Sometimes I think I think I can go back and and remember being dramatic about statements, about stuff, about like, oh, it's the worst day ever. You know, like you make like these, these things or, or you post or whatever. You tell your friend like, oh my God, I'm going to be like so dead when I get home. But you know, you don't necessarily think about the gravity of your words. Absolutely. I think we can all kind of relate whenever we get those, what is it, the memories on Facebook and you have to go <sighs> back and look at what you said in 2008 and you're like, what was wrong with me? <laughs> Number one, the worst part is as you get older, you're like, I've been on that site for this long. And then oh, like the other thing is that it's like looking into this weird box where you're like, I made that post. Yeah. Uh, it's just- and like, you could see that at least for me, I'm like, ooh. That is a struggling comedian trying to make a post work when I look at my old stuff. And I'm like, oh, girl, you had some of that framework, but that delivery wasn't down. It keeps me humble. Mine's, mine's mostly just like, wow, the depression was strong. I mean, in a way, it's kind of interesting, though. I mean, it is interesting that what we have as society now that we can look at that and be like, oh, this is like a digital scrapbook where I can see in real time what I was feeling 10 years ago, eight years ago, five years ago. So it is interesting to be confronted with it. And, and we do, we make like these statements that, that we don't necessarily maybe realize the gravity of the words. I always tell people, I mean, working in ER, we have patients that come in that make gestures, statements, you know, ideation towards people. And it's like, words have meaning. And people will take what you say seriously. So do not ever discount the power of words. And I think now that I've gotten older, I definitely choose what I say carefully. Not to necessarily always be politically correct, but to always just kind of be, you know, aware of the fact that words have power. But for Belle Gibson, I mean, she's like this preteen, this early teens. You don't know that. You don't have that worldview. So, you know, we're, we're still in May of 2009. And this is when we get into a few of these posts where it starts to get a little murky, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it starts to get, it starts to get, well, we'll just quote her. I'll just say this. Okay. So she has this first post where she says, quote, ha they let me out of bed for the second time. 
So I said I needed to go for a walk and get some fresh air, which in my sneaky ways means rolling down in my wheelchair to the internet kiosk at the hospital cafe to forum on. I'm not dead. I haven't gotten any flowers yet. Thanks TB for giving out my postal address. I no longer live in secrecy. The heart surgery thing went well after intensive care rushes, concussion, and lack of hot nurses. End quote. So, you know, focusing on stuff that needs to be focused on. But I mean, that was a couple days after she said she was going to the hospital in a few hours. So she's posting on these forums saying like she's got these heart issues and she's been in intensive care in ICU. And I mean, people in these forums, what are they going to think? They're a bunch of other teens. So I mean, are they really going to follow up? This is the early 2000s. It's, it's different how you connect with people and how you verify things. So she, made, she makes another post uh, on May 5th saying that, quote, I had fluid in the pericardium, which is the sac around the heart, that needed to be drained or else my heart would have stopped pumping blood and I would have died. And I need to get a valve replaced, but can't afford it yet. No one knows why I have heart conditions, but yeah. Like, if that isn't a quintessential, like, teenage pose to be like, mm, <laughs> I have heart conditions, I can't really pay for this, but mm, yeah, you know, yep. it's whatevs. <laughs> LOL, love and light, peace. Yeah. Like, it's totally like, something that you'd be like, if you saw that on a forum, would you take that seriously? Yeah, I think back in the day, I probably would have been like, oh, that's crazy, and then scroll to the next post. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know if I would have necessarily taken that seriously. I've been like, who else, like, who comes on a skateboarding forum to talk about their heart condition? Yeah, it's very... Like, oh, that's yeah. weird. Okay, yeah. what's going on with, like, my friend? Like, I've totally, like, he, do you stick his, you know, do you stick his kickflip or whatever? Now I'm going to try and be cool skateboarders. <laughs> I, I only played Tony Hawk, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you would just be like, scroll next, like you said. So, yeah. so now we've established this framework that is, again, the internet never forgets that as, as early as May of 2009, she is saying that she has these health conditions and, and specifically these heart, heart ailments. So we get a little further into May of 2009 it's now mid-may and she makes another post on the skateboarding forum and this is one of the ones that will lead into the tangled web i suppose so she says quote tomorrow afternoon i go back into hospital for round three of heart surgeries i'm not worried about the cancer i'm worried about the heart disease and brain clotting well the last time i had this procedure i went into cardiac arrest so yeah I've died before. And then also stating, I'm putting up a fight, but hey, chemo and three heart procedures might kill me. So I don't know how you jump from going, I have this heart conditions to everything she just said. So, I mean, you got to break that down. So she's saying that she's had, this is now she's going back to the hospital on May 21st, 2009 for round three of her heart surgeries she's saying something or at least insinuating that there's something to do with cancer now, something to do with brain clotting, which I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I've heard Uh, of blood clotting, but... And then she's saying that when she had the procedure before, she went into cardiac arrest, her heart stopped. She was, she died. Um, and, And it's sort of weird because you're like, who goes there with that thinking to go boom, boom, boom. I'm going to stack the deck. I'm going to tell him I'm going for a heart surgery again. Uh, I might have cancer, but I'm not going to harp on it. Oh, and my heart stopped last time I did this. Kisses. Like, what? Very extreme. It's And it's really weird. It actually, I just had this memory pop up in my mind <laughs> now that we're talking about the cancer thing. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had this friend in high school who she was one of these people like she claimed that she was pregnant and she got a um and then that she miscarried but her ultrasound was from google and then she claimed that she had cancer in her pinky finger stop of all things and i was just like what is going on with you (laughs) that's what this feels like to me this bell gibson thing is like oh i've got all these extreme things happening but there's no background and there's no closure to it and there's no proof 
And there's like no follow up. Did you ever follow up with your friend or did it just disappear? Like, did we not talk about it? It, it all just like, we all just kind of ignored it as a friend group. And she kind of, but she played on with it. Like she kept going. She made that Google ultrasound, her MySpace profile photo, and everything. Like, it was wild. And as, as crazy as it is to think about, that's exactly what Belle Gibson was doing. Like people were ignoring her in the forum because she has gotten a reputation at this point as being a storyteller, not just online, but in her circle of friends. People reportedly who are friends with her at the time would later say to uh, news publications that it wasn't uncommon for Belle to tell these stories and say that she's had heart procedures and everyone goes, oh, well, that's unfortunate. And when they pressed her for details, she'd be like, oh, but yeah, it's totally fine now. Or, oh, I'm getting this and that, but it'll be fine. So they'd be like, oh, okay. Because if a person says something, you don't necessarily press them for more. You're not going to ask somebody, you know, oh, I heard you have a heart issue. Can I know everything about it? Because if somebody says, oh, but it's okay. I mean, honestly, normal people who are not in the healthcare profession won't follow that up beyond, oh, okay, well, let me know if you need anything. Yeah, exactly. When you're in the healthcare profession, though, if somebody were to say that to me, I'd be like, ooh, what procedure are they doing? Do you know what (laughs) medication they're going to give you? Well, let's look it up together. I feel like I'm the worst person sometimes when people tell me health stuff, but I also feel like I can be a good resource sometimes. In my own family, I've had family members who've had to have like stress tests. And, you know, we did. We talked about the medications and what they might expect. And we looked it up together and I helped them to go through stuff on terms of like, this is the procedure. And when they had the test done, they felt actually, you know, more, you know, in their mindset, they they knew what to anticipate. So that was good for them. But I feel like when you don't have anybody surrounding you who's in healthcare, who can press those questions and go after it, you're just going to leave it at face value and be like, oh, I'm so glad you're feeling better. Or that's so great. You're getting this treatment and surgery. Please let me know if you need anything because you do want to be a caring and kind person for the most part on planet earth. You, you try and look out for each other. Um, there are some outliers. They're on various true crime podcasts. If you want to know about those people, for the most part, people will sort of leave it at face value of taking a person's word for it. So Bill Gibson uh, supposedly is supposed to be having this procedure May 21st, 2009. So at 1243 on the weirdest skateboarding forum in Australia, she posts (laughs) that I can't feel anything from waist up, but my right arm about to get prepped for surgery. One of three. Then at 746, she posts, I had surgery about seven hours ago in the midst of a blackout. (laughs) Cyclone and storms in Perth. I just woke up out of a coma type thing and had no idea what was going on. The nurse came in when the alarms went off to say I was no longer in code blue or something. And they fussed around for a bit, then asked for my next of kin details because I didn't put anyone down. I refused to give details because I have a gnarly mom. Anyway, the doctor comes in and tells me the draining failed And I went into cardiac arrest and died for just three minutes. I have the most intense bruising from the paddles where they electrocuted, question mark, uh, me back to consciousness and went straight into a coma situation for six hours and just woke up crying for my iPhone, end quote. Then at 1948, she wrote, I also suffered no brain damage that's currently visible during the cardiac arrest. How convenient. She didn't put the how convenient part. I put the how convenient part. (laughs) (laughs) Although it would be convenient for her. (laughs) Right. She'd just be like, how convenient. I looked at that whole thing that she wrote at 7.46 p.m. And lost my mind probably for five seconds. That's not how a code situation works. Exactly. Like... When, when your heart stops, you don't just like kind of like look around and wait for people to come in and restart your heart. I uh, also don't imagine that like a nurse would just pop in and be like, "Oh, it's fine. She's she's not coding anymore. It's it's great." Okay. Yeah, like she would wake up all alone. Like she said, I just woke up out of a coma type thing, no idea what was going on. And a nurse just popped in and was like, "It's fine. You're no longer your heart's beating again. You're fine." 
uh, what? Well, the other thing that I was, I don't know why this got me so riled up, but uh, she said in there that she had the most intense bruising from the paddles where they electrocuted her back to consciousness. And what? No, you get burns from being electrocuted. You don't necessarily <laughs> get straight up bruising. You get bruising from CPR. Like, get your facts straight in your lies. <laughs> Right, that makes so much sense now. Because as soon as I heard that, I was like, bruising, like, I don't know anything about how all that stuff works, but I was like, bruising just doesn't sound right, because they're not putting pressure on you, they're, like, zapping you. There's a a difference in what that would do to your skin, like. So, here's my always aside with that, is that when you do learn about CPR and putting paddles on people for AEDs, because, you know, they train people now to lay people, people who are not healthcare to do bystander CPR to get the AED, which talks you through everything, including putting paddles on. One of the things that they do tell you is to make sure that the person's not laying in anything wet, that they're rubbed down as much as they can to have dry surfaces. And also if they're hairy, that you have to just do a good job sticking the pads on them because if you don't, the electrical uh, current can arc and it can actually light their chest hair on fire. You know what? (laughs) It means that you have gumption. Um, (laughs) But I mean, that's, that's like a thing that, you know, it, it was a bigger thing. I think when they used to actually use the different sort of, um, paddles is that you could burn people and like light their chest hair on fire. Nowadays, um, a lot of the kits that they have, they do have a shaver or you have two sets of paddles. So you, I mean, in a CPR situation, if you have to whack someone's chest real quick to make sure that you put their paddles on and to restart their heart, I'm sure they're not going to mind when they get to, you know, wake up. So anyways, like I'm looking at that statement and I'm just like, that's not how it works. This isn't any of, none of this is how it works. There's just no logic to it. Like even as someone who has none of that kind of background, I even I was just like, this does not sound in any way illogical at all. And my favorite thing is that just two minutes later, she makes that other post about, I also suffered no brain damage that's currently uh, visible during (laughs) the cardiac arrest. She also spelled visible wrong in her post, which is like such a preaching thing to do, right? It really is. It like sounds so like brainy and stuff. And you spell like visible wrong. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you go, ah, oh, it's like when you have a tweet and you have that one typo and somebody retweets it and you're like, everyone can see I'm an idiot now. Yep. I it's can't over take now. that back. <laughs> I can't take it back. You retweeted it. Now I can't take it back. P.S. <laughs> Twitter support. Where is our edit button? Edit button 2K19. Come through, fam. So, okay. So, so that puts us at like mid-May, May 21st. Now on May 27th, again on the skateboard forum, she makes a post that says, quote, got my hair cut today to prepare for chemo and still in rehab from the cardiac arrest. What? Got my hair cut? What? June 1st, 2009. <laughs> she makes this post, quote, I just got told I can leave hospital tomorrow. No skating for at least eight weeks and another operation in 12 weeks. There is her first mention of skating. <laughs> <laughs> skateboarding forum from Belle Gibson. It only Sorry. took a surgeries, a cardiac arrest, uh, shaving our head, and perhaps chemo treatments before we finally got to the skateboarding part of the skateboarding forum. June 2nd, 2009, she says, quote, I'm allowed beer and red wine in moderate amounts. A beer is only going to fuck the liver, not the heart. Smiley face emoji, end quote. <laughs> I was just wondering, what kind of questions is she asking her doctor? Like, oh, when will I be able to skate again? And can I have a beer? Like, (laughs) what is going on? My thing is just, like, in retrospect, you know, how did she make up this story and think, like, this is the next logical thing that I need to post? Yeah, it, it, it. I I can't even, I'm speechless. Like, (laughs) I can't even wrap my head around what she was thinking. I mean, you have seen some crazy stuff, I would say, in terms of what Australia is like synonymous for. But I mean, there's a reason why Belle Gibson made worldwide news. And I mean, like I said, we're we're going to try and like piece this together and do this framework in a way that, you know, I don't over talk anything. I mean, it's coming together just with like 
what she grew up with, how she started weaving her web and then where we're going to end up. It, like, like we said in the beginning, this is like the roller coaster in the tsunami, in the tornado, in a hurricane with a sharknado and (laughs) an alien abduction going on or an alien invasion. Like this is bonkers. So June 3rd, 2009, she says, quote, I'm sure you can email. Oh, email search me. So she puts her email address up at the time, which I'm probably sure does not work. So if you email (laughs) that address, I'm pretty sure it's not going to go anywhere. June 6th, 2009, she says, well, okay. So this is where we get a little bit, sort of away from the skateboarding forums. It's kind of where the skateboarding forums sort of break off in terms of the screenshots and how I think Belle sort of broke off too in terms of needing the forum. Her timeline sort of changes in terms of her digital footprint. And it looks like she sets up sort of her own blog at this point. Part of me wonders if she was told by the skateboarding forum to like not keep posting about this we're here for skateboarding we can only take so much like we clearly you know you can always come and and talk here but I I feel like she might have gotten people who talked to the admins who are like can you do something about this girl because this is kind of intense I just want to like learn how to do a new trick or talk about my favorite skater and now I have this girl saying she's in chemo and she's got cancer and heart surgeries like i can totally get if the admins might have just shoot her away um, yeah. because she's not really on the skateboarding forum after june 2009 what she does recall is that around june 2009 she will later go on and say quote i will never forget sitting alone in the doctor's office waiting for my test results and she wrote this in her Uh, cookbook the whole pantry she continues by saying he called me in and said you have malignant brain cancer bell you're dying you have six weeks four months tops end quote and that's the quote that like ruined i think everything like that's the quote that they really latched on to Um, In the 60 Minutes interview, and they kind of kept coming, well, not coming back to, but they definitely were like, how did we get to this point? And, and, you know, what happened afterwards? So it was definitely like the starting point in terms of her writing down malignant brain cancer and saying that she had six six weeks to four months to live was in June 2009. So she writes that in her whole pantry book, which she would go on to to work with Penguin Publishing in 2013. But she was saying in 2009 is when she was handed this diagnosis. In the book, it's a little bit interesting. It talks about, well, the 60 Minutes interview does a good job too of kind of framing this also about how the diagnosis happened. Yeah. So like I said, you're going to hear me like turning through my napkin pages. Um, so around, she said like in 2009, she was 20 years old. She was given that six weeks to four months to live. It sounds like she was still in Perth at that time. What happened around that time was that she was diagnosed by an immunologist who she was told by the immunologist that he was a doctor by the name Dr. Mark Johns. She was diagnosed using an at-home test, which she cannot even describe how it works. She stutters over it in interviews. She describes it as a box that had these paddles she had to sit on that measured currents. And at the end of it all, Dr. Mark Johns said that she had cancer. Now, from that, she said that they explored the possibility that the Gardasil vaccination was the cause of her brain cancer that she thought it was a direct result of that. And prior to that, she had, I believe she said that she went to see the doctor because she had had a quote stroke at work. And she said that she had fallen. Hang on. I got to get to the note because I, I want to make sure I read <laughs> this correctly. Cause I like, I, <laughs> 
I would say that I reread that book three times because I was just like, what? Okay. So, yeah. So she said that in 2009, she had suffered a stroke. She fell out of a chair, went to a doctor who we assume is this Dr. Mark Johns. And that's when they said that she had cancer a week later. So somehow in her timeline, she suffered a stroke. She gets all these tests done. Within a week, she's told that she had cancer. So they told her she had a stroke. And the next week that she had brain cancer and she had six weeks to four months to live. And she decided at that point to go from Perth back to to Melbs, to Melbourne. And <laughs> she was going to receive the first of three treatments from Dr. Mark Johns to treat her cancer. Now, this part gets a little bit murky because there's not really that much paperwork supporting it. But apparently two out of the three treatments that she was supposed to have either the doctor didn't show up for, not in any hospital setting either. It would either be in a home or in a rented space. So that's not shady at all. And she also was given oral chemotherapy pills. I believe the brand name's different in Australia, but it was an oral form of chemotherapy. So she did have that for a while, but she stopped taking it because of the side effects. I wonder if also it was because she cancer. Anyways, that's the story that was interesting to piece together. That's not the story that you hear that she wrote in her book, The Whole Pantry. So we're gonna get into that in just a second. But like I said, in 2009, there's all these photos that they had from the skateboarding forum, including this photo of like her smoking after she'd like told the forum that, you know, she she was, uh, you know, diagnosed with this cancer, and here she is smoking. It, it's crazy. <laughs> she also gets, like, a tattoo during this time somewhere in 2009. You know, I guess she gets the blessings from her doctor that she can drink. That's a lenient doctor, I guess. And then there is a photo somewhere that they archived it about, like, July 2009, where she does have a shaved head of hair, but there is no scar of any sort, any sort of remnants of any incision. And it's only like this square chunk that's shaved. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it was fashion. I don't know if it was her trying to say she was preparing for chemo. But as early, it looks like even in July 2009, she said somehow, oh, okay, so she was back in the skater forum. They just don't have the screenshot. But she was telling them that she had a stage two malignant tumor of the brain then we go into her moving, well, moving to uh, Melbourne, still saying again that she is having this cancer. All right, so we're going to say that this is going to be a two-part episode. I will use this as my mark for the end of part one. We're going to kind of figure out a good starting point for, for part two and pick up with the lies. And Sarah will still be around for that. Yep. <laughs> everyone this is sarah from good nightmare podcast a podcast where i like to talk about all things strange and unusual whether it's mysteries historical crimes or fairy tale origins i hope you'll come along for the ride and join me as we delve into some spooky tales happy listening <laughs>